I've told you this before, but gifts is uh, one of my love languages. I feel like it is the least Jesus-y love language, though. I mean, like, acts of service, like, that sounds like a Jesus kind of love language. Uh, gifts, not so much. But it's the one that I have, and uh, when I was growing up, being in a big family, and being the oldest in that family, uh, also my family was, was uh, my dad didn't make a lot of money, and so we didn't get gifts very often, okay? Uh, my folks didn't, like, take me out and just buy me something uh, sometimes. Like, it had to be Christmas or your birthday. Like, that was the only time you are getting. So I love having my birthday come along. June 13th is my birthday, uh, which I love birthday. That was, uh, that didn't mean it to sound like that, but it did sound like that. <laughs> uh, I only say that because school always got out before June 13th. Like, it was always the week after school, and so I never got to, like, bring in cupcakes or cookies to have with my class. I always felt like I missed out, and I was pretty bummed about that, but uh, I still enjoyed my birthday immensely because I knew I was going to get some gifts out of my favorite, uh, well, I shouldn't say my favorite, my second favorite gift that I ever got was when I was eight years old. It was a G.I. Joe called Storm Shadow, the White Ninja. There's a picture of him. This is him in all of his glory. Look at that thing, it's amazing! And he actually had removable samurai swords and nunchucks and a bow and he even had the swivel battle arm grip, friends. I'm telling you, like it was like amazing. Uh, I just found out if I still had mine in the box, that thing's worth $600 today. Is that not so crazy? That's insane. But uh, my favorite gift, though, was when I was 10. My mom got me a puppy. Uh, her name was Brandy, and she was a cockapoo, all right, which that's like before designer dogs were cool, so I don't know how, like, you know that was a mistake, and then somebody said, hey, let's call it a cockapoo, which is a terrible name to begin with, all right, uh, cocker spaniel and a poodle mixed together, and the more that I thought about this, though, the, this past week, I started to realize something, all right, uh, I don't know very many 10-year-old boys that when they think of their ideal puppy, it's a cocker spaniel mixed with a poodle, all right, and a girl dog that's already been given the name Brandy, okay? I realized this week as I was thinking back on my favorite gift, my mom actually got a gift for herself and just gave it to me on my 10th birthday party, and I had to feed that thing and clean up after it. We had a silver spoon that we used to go around the yard picking up poop and putting it into old uh, uh, bread bags. That's disgusting, but that's what happened. And... Uh, then uh, Brandy, though, wound up growing larger than my parents expected, and so uh, when Brandy was four, uh, my mom, actually I didn't think she was that old, I think she was like three, uh, my mom made me take her to the pound. Oh yeah, thank you, trauma, right? I need counseling, I mean, it's like my mom buys a gift for herself, gives it to me, and then makes me take her to the pound when she doesn't want it anymore. Like, that's not right, folks, I'm just saying, like, if I've got issues, that's probably partly why, okay? <laughs> Today, this morning, I want to talk about five gifts. Five gifts. I've handed out five gifts in the audience. And you guys are going to help me this morning as we actually explore what these five gifts are. I'd like you to open up your Bibles to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Now, last week, Dr. Burge was with, was with us, and he shared with us. Oh, yeah, if you need a Bible, you can just raise your hand. Thank you, guys. We've got some folks in Bibles. They will make sure to grab one for you. You can follow along. Um, Dr. Burge reminded us 
that Jesus will never abandon us. Wasn't that a fantastic message last week? Yeah. Oh, I think, thank you, Eric. Uh, <laughs> it, it really was. It was fantastic. Um, I loved how he opened up the scriptures, and, and he did share, uh, spoiler alert, uh, what I'm going to be talking about this morning. Uh, because the gift, the, or the way that Jesus doesn't abandon us is by giving us a gift. And we're going to talk about that gift. It is the gift of the Spirit. And the Spirit actually has five things that he wants to engage with us this morning. Now, uh, let's go ahead and read John chapter 16, starting in verse 1. Oh, sorry, before I jump into that, let's just be reminded of where we're at in the story, okay? Um, it's literally uh, the night that Jesus is going to wind up in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. It's the same night that Judas is going to lead the temple guard to Jesus, and he's going to betray him. And Jesus is going to go before Caiaphas, the high priest, will probably spend uh, the very last few hours of that night in a dungeon in Caiaphas's house. And then he's going to be brought to Pontius Pilate, where he will be condemned to death and crucified that next day. So Jesus is literally spending his last hours with the disciples. He's just washed their feet to show them the kind of servant leadership that he expects of them. And he has enjoyed the Last Supper together with them, starting a new covenant in his blood that we had the privilege of being able to uh, celebrate together today as a body. So Jesus is giving some final words, and uh, uh, Dr. Bird shared some of that with us last week, that Jesus is not going to abandon them or us. And now he is uh, speaking some more words in the upper room. John chapter 16, verse 1. Jesus says, All this... I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. And in fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they, they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about that. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me. You see, Jesus is saying that, look, it's about to get bad. And Jesus says, I told you all of this because I don't want you to fall away. Jesus says, I didn't tell you before because I was with you. See, Jesus is like, look, I was here. I could protect you. I could guide you. I could help you out in a jam. I could be the, 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 the tip of the spear, the, the place where all the, the, the force is going to come to. I could kind of help you guys. But I'm going away. And, and, and bad things are going to happen. Now, the, the disciples have been so shook up over all this because they're finally getting what Jesus is saying. Jesus has already shared with them on two previous occasions that he's going to die. He's going to be killed. And now he's explained on this third occasion that he's going to die, and they finally are getting it. And, and he can see the grief on their face. In fact, he's going to say that in just a second here in our text. He can see that their pain and Jesus says, look, I didn't want to share all this because I could kind of protect you, but I'm, I'm going to be going away and I'm not going to be able to do so in the same way that I have been when I was physically present here with you. And, and when you talk about getting kicked out of the synagogue, like that's basically like destroying your entire social network. Like all the places you find community, the place that you would go when you want to worship God, the place where you would find family and caring when tough times come, that's who you would go to and, and, and you would find help. When you wanted to celebrate, that's where you would go. Jesus said, that's, that's, they're going to kick you out. Not only that, but they're actually going to 
He doesn't say try to kill you. He says when they come to kill you. I mean, if I'm a disciple, I'm like, no, 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 I didn't even think, Jesus, you were going to die. Like, just a few days ago, remember when we came into Jerusalem? And, like, Jerusalem's, like, swollen with people who are there for the Passover. And Jesus comes in, and everybody's like, yes, Jesus, Messiah, Hosanna, the Son of David, he's coming. And, and now, they're like, dude, we thought you were like, going to, like, take over. Now you're telling us you're going to die. Not only are you telling us you're going to die, but we're going to die, too. Like, you got to imagine, this is like heavy, heavy stuff. Continue on. He said, I didn't tell you this from the beginning, because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief, because I have said these things. Jesus isn't shocked by that reality. He knows that they're filled with grief. He understands what they're going through. This is actually why he's giving them this one final teaching, verse 7. Very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. That doesn't make any sense at all. How is that for their good? Look, we've just found out that the Jewish leaders are not excited about anybody who tries to act and think the way that Jesus acted and thought. Uh, not only the Jewish leaders, but the Roman Empire. The Roman culture is not excited about Anybody who's trying to act and think the way that Jesus acted and thought. And a lot of times when we read these stories, we, we, we know that Jesus is speaking to a particular group of people at a particular time, but the reason that they're recorded is because they're intended to go beyond simply that time that we would find ourselves in the story. Jesus isn't just talking to them, he's talking to us because the same thing's true today. American culture is not excited about people who try to act and think like Jesus acted and thought. Not, not a ton has changed. And Jesus wants to let them know that he's leaving. And he says that that's good. Good for them and good for you and I. You're like, how is that good? Like, that doesn't make any sense at all. Like, what do you mean? It's good that you leave. You've been the one that's been guiding us and protecting us. Jesus wants to show us when we continue to read. He says, very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away, because unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. You're like, oh, okay, the advocate. What's the advocate? <laughs> Why is that still better? Okay, because if I'm being honest, I'm like, Jesus, I would come rather as just you. Right? Because then Jesus could be sitting in the front row and he could be like cheering me on, like, T, great point, that's exactly what I meant. Or like look at me a little sideways, like, bro, really? That illustration. You know, like, like at least I can have like real good back and forth with him. He'd be right there, right? What's the problem though with, with Jesus being here today? Well, the problem is if he was here today, he couldn't be at Ada Bible or Calvary Church or Frontline. He couldn't be at Cascade Fellowship or Thornapple Covenant. He couldn't be with you when you leave these doors or this room. You see, the problem, if there was such a thing, is that Jesus had chosen to take on human flesh. Which is crazy, if you ask me. That God would decide that he's going to take on human flesh, and he is now human 
forever. The reason why Jesus will never abandon us is because Jesus is us. Jesus is human. Now, he's also fully God. But when Jesus says, it's better that I go away, that it sounds like, how is that possible? And then he says, because if I go away, I'll send the advocate, the spirit. The spirit doesn't need to sleep. Jesus needs to, to sleep. The spirit, uh, Jesus was God with us in human flesh. The spirit is God within us. God, all of God, is in you and I. This is the amazing, unbelievable, crazy first gift. So who's got my first gift? Who's got your Yes. Awesome. Rip that bad boy open and let's find out what is in there. Now you go ahead and rip it open and get it ready because you're going to read it really loud for me, but not until I tell you. So what I want to explain that we're doing this morning is basically this, okay? Um, because I was really wrestling with like, God, how am I supposed to explain the Spirit? Because uh, uh, a lot of times, like when I think of Jesus, I'm like, Jesus is my dog, like my homeboy, right? I got the shirt, Jesus is my homeboy, like, I don't have the shirt. But I'm just saying, like, I always, like, I think we usually feel good about talking to Jesus, right? And the Father, he feels like kind of the angry one, right? He's like the God of the Old Testament, and he just seems to be kind of like angry and holy, and I'm not sure if I can really please him, and a lot of times I fall into that lie. And so when I think of Jesus, I'm like, he's the one I'm cool with. When I think of the Father, I think he's probably the one that I misunderstand the most. But when I think of the Spirit, he's like the one that I feel like I understand the least. Does that make sense? Like, Jesus, I kind of get. The Father, I know I misunderstand. And the Spirit, I feel like I just don't understand. That's why I love what Dr. Burke reminded us of last week when Jesus says this. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They're not different. I mean, they're different persons, but they're the same God, right? They have the same will. What Jesus does is what the Father does. So if you think you like Jesus, that means that you like the Father. Like, they're, like they're not separated in that way. Like, this is where stuff starts to get kind of mind-blowing when we start trying to understand the Trinity. Same thing with the Spirit. A lot of times I feel like I don't understand the Spirit that well. And Jesus is like, look, he says what I say. You know me, you know him. You try to get to know me, you're going to get to know him, and I'll explain how some of this unfolds. But this morning, just basically consider that you're at a party that the Father is throwing, all right? So this is the party. God, the Father's throwing the party. Any good party's got to have a theme, right? So Jesus has called the theme transformation. So you guys are at God the Father's party that Jesus has themed under transformation, and the Spirit is here. He's got five gifts that he wants to give to us to help us in this transformation theme party that God's throwing. All right, what do we got in gift number one? Boom! So good! Yes, that is the first gift. And there's another little gift, and that's in there for you, okay? Uh, that's the first gift. God is with us and within us forever. Like, that's the unbelief. Like, uh, can we just be real for a minute? This is one of those things that if you grew up in church, if you're new to church, you already probably think this whole thing's weird. I get it. That's right. Hang with me. It's a good part. You're going to enjoy it. But if you've grown up in church, all around church, you've heard this before, that like God indwells us through the Spirit. But I think that's just so mind-numbingly unbelievable that we actually just kind of like acknowledge it and move on. But the same God 
that created the world. The same God that loves us so much that he was willing to give his own son to die on the cross and raise him back to life three days later. The same God who has done these amazing things and is preparing a place for each one of us, he actually lives within us, has decided to come and take up residence within us. The God who knows everything, who understands everything, who is in control of everything, lives within us. I know I don't get it, and I know you don't get it fully. Like It's like we can't, but take just a second and just sit in that. God is with us forever. We see this first gift. This is the first promise that Jesus makes about the Spirit. Back in John 14, uh, starting in verse 15, he says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Be with you forever. Uh, Dr. Burge says this uh, about verse 15. He says, The gift is an outgrowth of the loving relationship between Jesus and his disciples, not an entitlement earned by the disciple. In other words, a lot of times we assume that, like, well, if I'm just going to claim it, I'm going to get it. And there is a truth that when we give our lives to Jesus, when we enter into a loving relationship with him, Right? It's based on love, and because of our love, then we obey. When we invite Jesus in accepting what he's done for us on the cross, believing in his death and resurrection, we get the Spirit, and all of the Spirit. Okay? It's all there. But the truth is that sometimes we don't open up all the gifts that the Spirit intends to give to us. And we'll explain why I think that is at times as we walk through some of the other gifts. But the most beautiful and amazing and powerful thing is, is that when we enter into that love relationship with Jesus, he gives us the gift of himself, the Father and the Son, indwelling us in the Spirit. That is an amazing, beautiful, powerful thing. So, number two, what is the second gift? Who's got that for me, number two? Who's got a gift two? Yes, sweet, rip it open! Yo, you don't have to be friends. You're one of those nice rippers. Just rip that thing! She, you probably saved the wrapping paper sometimes, don't you? See? She did! That's pretty amazing, actually. Open that bad boy up. What do we got? What's gift number two? Teaching and reminding us. That's the second gift of the Spirit. Alright? The first gift is that it's God indwelling us. The second is that the Spirit is sent to teach us and remind us everything that Jesus has done. Basically, he wants you to know that you're not left alone to figure this out. He's not, he's not leaving you to figure out how to live the Christian life, how to experience the transformation that the Spirit intends to bring to us on our own. John 14, 25-26 says this. This is the second promise that Jesus gives about the Spirit. He says, All this I have spoken while with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, uh, a lot of times when I read this, I kind of feel like, oh, God, I know that that's true, but sometimes I don't feel it. God, I know the Spirit's supposed to remind me of your word and the things that Jesus said, and like kind of help me out in that way and teach me stuff, but I don't really feel it. And I was just wrestling, like to be honest, I was wrestling this last week on what to talk about. 
how to share this with you, how to talk about the spirit with you, like how to help you understand how beautiful and powerful, what a beautiful gift it is. But I was like, God, I don't know if I understand. And so what do I do? Well, I like I go to commentaries. Like I want to understand it better. I was uh, reading uh, Francis Chan's book, Forgotten God, again. I read it a few years ago. I loved it. Probably my favorite book that he's written. I'm like, I want to go back. I want to read it again. I want to like learn more. Like, like God help me. And and so uh, I was reading a couple of different commentaries as well. And I'm still like, oh, I don't know what I'm what I'm doing here, Lord. And so I uh, I literally sent a text to Dr. Burge. It's pretty awesome when you know the guy who wrote the commentary. You can like shoot him a text. They're like, hey, I need help, right? And then God was like, why did you ask me? Because I'm like, I, I got the spirit, right? And the spirit is actually God. <laughs> the one who knows everything, like wrote it all. Like, this is like his whole deal. And he, and he has given me the spirit so that I can then understand him and be reminded. So like, well, okay, I guess I could try that, God. I don't understand you. Help me get this. Because I was asking all kinds of questions about the Trinity and trying and I so uh, he instantly brought me back to a couple weeks ago when I was in Israel. And he said, uh, you remember when you were walking on that on the road to Jericho? So one of the days we, we walked uh, the road to Jericho, and it's actually the exact same road that Jesus is referring to when he shares the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's the same road that we know David was thinking about. Uh, because there's this huge valley there when David wrote Psalm 23. And so uh, when I was in Israel, there's just so much teaching and so much you're absorbing. Sometimes it's just hard to engage with just God, right? It's just like all this information, great stuff. And you're learning so much. And so I was like, all right, on this walk, we were doing this hike. I was like, I'm just going to hang back from the group a little bit, and I just want to spend some time with God. So I did that. I kind of let the group get a little bit. I was, you know, wasn't too far away. But I'm, I'm talking, and all of a sudden I have this conversation with Jesus in my head. Like, like, legit conversation. Like, he's talking to me, and we're, like, he cracked a joke, and I was kind of laughing at it. I know that sounds weird, uh, but I, I'm learning to uh, kind of create this holy imagination that I can recognize God's voice. And so uh, the Spirit reminded me of that time and that conversation. And the Spirit said, that was me. And I was like, whoa! Mind blown, Yes! But I'm like, but I was talking to Jesus. He's like, I know. But I'm like, but that was me. Like, you're talking to me and you're envisioning Jesus because I say what Jesus says. Like, that, that's what I'm doing. And I was trying to, like, then figure this out. I was like, oh, that's kind of like you were speaking in my mind. Like, like, like Kylo Ren does to Ray, like, in the Star Wars. Like, like, they're not in the same room where they're speaking in each other's mind. Like, that's what you, that's what you do. I was like, the mind of Christ. And I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me that word, the mind of Christ. And I was like, wait, that's a... That's like a Bible verse. The mind of Christ. So I went to Holy Google to remind me where that was. And, and, and uh, I realized, I remembered it was, it was in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I was like, oh, that's right, the mind of Christ. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Well, you don't have to flip there. I'm going to flip there real quick, though. So I just want to read something to you. I found out that the entire, because I haven't talked through 1 Corinthians. I haven't read the 1 Corinthians in a little while. 1 Corinthians 2 is all about living life in the Spirit. And listen to what he says. Verse 10 says, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit 
who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. We have the mind of Christ. You see, when I actually ask God, God, uh, if, if the gift is real, then, then help me understand. And he did. Not only that, but he actually then brought me back to Scripture. He brought Scripture back to my life. I didn't, I didn't have the whole like passage nailed and could all of a sudden start to recite it, but he reminded me that's what the Spirit does. And sometimes you're probably thinking, man, that doesn't ever happen for me. Well, there's two options. At least two. The first is maybe you're not actually a Christian. So I'm not saying that like to like, you know, rain in anybody's parade. We're at a party, but like, here's the reality. Like just going to church, it doesn't make you a Christian. You can even be a part of a Bible study and not be a Christian. Maybe there's somebody here that's like, I've never had that happen before. Maybe it's because you don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. And today is maybe the day that you unwrap the very first gift. Where you invite Jesus into your life and say, Jesus, I want to love you. I want to know you. I, I trust you. I believe in you. Come into my life and take over. And Jesus will implant into your very soul the gift of himself, the Spirit. And he will never abandon you. And he will always be with you forever. And that's a beautiful and amazing thing. Now, I think that there's probably a lot of us, though, that question whether we hear the Spirit reminding us of Jesus' words. And I actually think what's probably happening is that we just forget all the different times that God reminds us of something. Because we assume we've got to, like, have chapter and verse. Like, oh, all of a sudden, I got the entire, you know, chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians just downloaded into my brain. That's not usually how the Spirit works. All right? Usually he'll remind you of certain things, like a little phrase, like the mind of Christ. And all of a sudden, like, oh, where's that? i got to go back and find it. And then all of a sudden I realize, oh, the Spirit led me back to an entire passage, an entire section, a whole chapter, where it's talking about how to live by the Spirit and, and engage with that. Beautiful. Part of it is, too, though, is that we just don't probably spend enough time in the Word. Look, the Spirit can't remind you of something you've never seen. So we got to be people of the word. Now, don't freak out and be like, oh my goodness, I don't know anything. Like, i got to like figure this all out in a month. Like, it's not going to happen. And that's okay. Just take the next step. If you're curious on how to start engaging with God's word to kind of find a practice of that, then come talk to me or, or somebody else in the church that you know. We'd love to help you start along on that journey. Because the more you engage with it, it's like a muscle. It starts to grow and things begin to happen. On to gift number three. Who's got number three for me? Yes! Rip it open! Tell me what we got going! Oh, guys, this is so exciting, isn't it? Every time somebody rips, you like it. You don't feel that, do you? I do. I do. <laughs> Help us go public! Very, very good. Help us go public. This is the gift of testifying. Alright? You don't need to be afraid about going public with your faith. John chapter 15, verse 26 and 27 is the third promise that Jesus gives us. 1526 says, when the advocate comes, whom I will send from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you've been with me from the beginning. Jesus said, the Spirit, he's going to testify. Testify sounds like a court word, right? Because it is. Same thing with the word advocate. Some of your Bibles might say the word counselor. Well, when we hear the word counselor, we often think somebody who helps us out when we've got marriage problems or we're working through a particular issue or we have some trauma from our childhood, like when your mom got your puppy and then they take it apart. Like that, that kind of counseling, that's part of what it means to be a counselor. But a lot of what John is doing is kind of creating a courtroom scene for us. And he says the Spirit is going to testify on Jesus' behalf. 
What does a good witness do? A good witness simply says whatever they saw. That's it, right? The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You just share whatever you've seen. You gotta make stuff up. You don't gotta fake it, you just say what you saw. So the Spirit says, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to empower you to do that. Sometimes people are like, man, but my testimony's not that great. I would start off my testimony by saying, I was saved out of a life of sex, drugs, and rock and roll at the age of five. It was a hard childhood, I have to tell you. Like, look, I, I don't have one of those, like, you know, a lot of times we think are cool, crazy stories. I, I found Jesus when I was five. Jesus became real. I fell in love with him when I was in high school. And he has transformed and is continuing to transform my life. I have friends that have, like, those crazy stories. Like, I didn't grow up in church. I, like, did everything that the world said was cool. I found it empty and meaningless, and I was broken. And Jesus found me and radically transformed me. Everyone's like, I want that story. I don't have that story. But I do have a story of transformation, so I, I like to share it whenever I can. And there are times when I'm hanging out with friends, and the Spirit just says something inside, like, say something about me. <laughs> You ever have a moment like that? At work, hanging out with some friends. I remember being in sixth grade. Flint, Walker, elementary. I'm on my way to a play in Detroit with my classmates. And uh, my friend Mark said he was an atheist. And I remember thinking, I, don't, I want you to know what I know. And so I started talking about Jesus. Uh, I've had that same thing happen with other friends that I know are not following Jesus right now. And, and I don't try to shove it down their throats. But I'm also not afraid to say, like, look, Jesus is doing this, this really cool thing. I have my amazing wife because of what Jesus has done. But that's just a little testimony. And the Spirit, that's one of the gifts He gives us. All right, number four. Number four. Who's got it? Number four? Yes, really loud. Rip that bad boy open. Tell me what we've got. Both Democrats and Republicans will use 
things that God is for, but not because they care about God, but because they care about holding on to power. Sitting down in the face of sin or going silent when sin is shouting is also, though, not of the Spirit. Um, this one's not as fun, depending upon our level of maturity. <coughs> Generally speaking, the less mature we are, the less comfortable we are with this. Uh, the more we fall in love with Jesus, the more we want to obey Him. And I've already said that when Jesus was talking to the disciples here, he was talking to a group of people that uh, were going to be ostracized from their culture, from their world. Jesus actually, just a little bit earlier in John 16, says that the world is going to hate the disciples. He's not just talking to them about them. He's talking to you and me. Look, if we're really going to follow Jesus, there are things that our world is going to think is actually really cool when we do them, right? Depending upon the, the, the crowd you hang with, if you stand up against racism, the world's probably going to be like, hey, kudos, way to go. All right? Uh, when you go serve kids at Kenneth Shea, the world's like, dude, that's pretty cool. Like, way to go. Right? When you give money to, to kids in a third world country, the world's like, oh, that's, that's really great for your generous. When you're faithful to your spouse, oh, way to go. That's a good thing to be. But when you start talking about a sexual ethic that honors God, the world's like, whoa, whoa, hold up. Who are you to tell me what I can and can't do? When you mention you shouldn't live with your significant other before you marry, whoa, 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 who are you to tell me what I can and can't do? When you start talking about all kinds of different things, right? The world all of a sudden stands up and says, ah, I'm not cool with that anymore. When you say that there's only one way to get to heaven, when you say that it's not multiple truths, there's one truth. All of a sudden, the world's like, ah, I don't know that I like you anymore. And the sad thing is, is you can't actually disagree in our culture anymore without someone saying that you hate them. I can't love you and disagree with you anymore, which is sad and completely untrue. I can't love you and disagree with you. In fact, that's what Jesus commands us to do. And that has to show with our words and our actions it can't be simply about political gain. It can't be because I'm self-righteous or prideful or think that I'm better than anybody else. It has to be simply because I actually believe that what Jesus says is best for me and for you. You see, the more mature we become, the more we recognize that the world being convicted of sin is not simply to shame it. It's not to make people feel bad. It's actually to draw people towards life. Look, if you're heading towards death, the greatest, most loving, most beautiful thing I can do for you is say, don't go that way. You're going to die. Like, that's where death goes. If I call you back towards life, it might not always feel good. Reminds me of the time when Mother Teresa was at Harvard, 1982. Uh, the day before commencement, they have kind of an open mic session. It's not really open mic because they decide who's going to be speaking at it. Uh, but usually it's uh, um, different students and they invite someone special to come and speak. That particular year they invited Mother Teresa. The student who spoke just before her, one of the things they often try to do is be pretty witty uh, in, in, in their little speech. And so he had made some cracks about different ways that, uh, uh, different things that make people laugh about why it was good for Harvard students to have sex. And then Mother Teresa gets up. And she talked about loving and caring for the poor. But Mother Teresa, because she had the spirit, also was not afraid to say, 
and what I want for you and what God's will for you is not that you have sex before you marry, but that you would pursue purity. She used the word virginity. At Harvard. Uh, nobody could boo her because it's Mother Teresa. I mean, what are you going to boo a little? But, I mean, it was interesting reading comments from people that were there that day and the things that they said about her. And it's very interesting hearing comments of people who read that article and comment on it today. But Mother Teresa didn't do it out of a spirit of hatred or self-righteousness or because she didn't love those kids. She did it because she truly loved those kids and showed it by the way that she loved our God. The fourth gift doesn't feel super fun, but it is a gift. Gift number five, the last gift, and with this one we're going to close. Who's got number five for me? Really, really loud. Yeah, rip that bad boy open. Oh, it feels so good. People are like, wait, what's the fifth gift? That was the fourth, what's the fifth? Ongoing communication. Very good, the gift of ongoing communication. The gift of ongoing communication. God has even more to give us gifts for us and gifts for others. John 16, verses 12 through 15, he says, I have much more to say to you. Jesus is saying this to this. I've got much more to say to you, more than you can even bear. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only when he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known. Uh, what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. In other words, everything the Father has, the Son has. Everything the Son has, the Spirit has. Alright? The Spirit can't say something that Jesus wouldn't say because they have the same will. Just like Jesus can't do something that the Father wouldn't do because they have the same will. It's one will, one God, three persons. And so he says, hey, I can't tell you everything. I've got stuff that I still want to reveal to you. The Spirit's going to do that. The Spirit still gives us revelation. Now, we always hold up whatever the Spirit reveals to us with the Word of God. The Spirit can't say something that God hasn't already said. So if all of a sudden you get a word from the Spirit, and uh, it says, you know, like, do something really bad and contradict Scripture, that's not from the Spirit. But let me explain to you how the Spirit works like this. Um, because it happened to me a few years ago. Uh, I was sitting in a worship service uh, at the church that I was uh, the teaching pastor at. And I'm uh, there, and I usually would just sit in different places. I happened to be sitting down in a row somewhere back over there, and I was sitting next to a husband and wife, and she was very great with child, okay? And uh, we're singing the last song, and I hear the Spirit say to me, Tell her that I see her unborn child and everything's going to be okay. And I'm like, heck no. <laughs> like, no way. I am about to tell a woman who's pregnant uh, from some random dude. I don't even know if she knows that I'm the teaching pastor there. I've never seen her before. I'm not going to tap her on the shoulder and say, uh, God sees your unborn child and he's telling you everything's going to be okay. Like, what does that even mean? Like, 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 is that a good thing? Is that a not good thing? Like, what? like, I don't want to say that. And I kept hearing the Spirit say, lean over and tell her, I see her child and everything's going to be okay. And finally, I can't take it anymore. 
the last chorus of the song, I tap her on the shoulder. She kind of looks at me weird because who taps somebody else on the shoulder during worship, right? And she looks over at me, and she's taller than me, which makes this even more awkward because then I kind of have to like, because you don't want to be loud about it, you know? God said, you know? So I said, God sees your unborn child, and everything's going to be okay. And she looked at me, and her eyes just went and started to fill up with tears instantly. And the song ended, and I had to go up on stage. And I was like, that was it. I went up on stage. I'm like trying to like collect my thoughts. What did I just do to this poor lady? Okay, now I gotta preach. It's not even... So uh, I don't see her after the service. I don't see her for, I think it was like another three weeks. She finds me after the service, and she comes up to me, and she says, I just need to tell you thank you. That next week, all of a sudden, I started feeling really, really off. And I went into the doctor, and the doctor started running some tests, and they were afraid that something not good was happening. And all I could remember is what you said to me. And she said, I hung on to that, not even really knowing what it meant. She said, the tests all came back, and everything is fine, and the baby's going to be great. But God wanted you to tell me that so I could trust him in that moment. And I was like, because I was nervous, like I was scared. But you see, the fifth gift of the Spirit is that not only is He with us, right? Not only does He teach us and remind us of what God has already said, not only does He empower us to testify about Him, not only does He convict the world of sin and allow us to stand up against sin, but He continues to speak to us today. And a lot of times when He speaks to us, it's not just for our own benefit. It's not just to be like, oh, God's cool, I love this relationship. It's also because He wants to, us to share things, encouraging things, in other ways He wants to bless His body and continue to grow us. Now, it's possible that some of these gifts feel better than others, right? A lot of it has to do with where we're at maturity-wise. The more we fall in love with Jesus, the more we begin to recognize that some of these gifts are actually better than we might have thought at first. But they're kind of like an athletic endeavor, right? If all I do is sit on the couch and eat ice cream, I'm never going to grow any muscles. That's literally what I did yesterday. I sat on the couch and ate ice cream. Uh, that's not how we grow a muscle, right? Same thing is true of our understanding of the Spirit. The more we engage with God's Word, the more we pray and talk to God, the more we begin to recognize how He wants to communicate with us all throughout our day, the more we begin to see how He's working, the more we open up those gifts. But I also think it's a little bit like a Ducati Panigale V4. Oh, friends, if you want to give me a gift, I'm just saying, that right there, okay? Like, that would be a Ducati Panigale V4, 221 horsepower of Italian might and fury. That thing is gorgeous, all right? We've got kids in the room, so I won't describe it the way I might normally, but that thing's awesome! So, I think that the spirit is a little bit like a Ducati Panigale V4. But you give a Ducati Panigale V4 to a six-year-old for their birthday, and they are not going to be happy. Like, no six-year-old is going to see that. You hand them the key, be like, buddy, it's yours, and be like, yes! No, you're going to be like, what? What am I going to do with that? Like, no six-year-old knows what to do with the Panigale V4. Like, they don't know. You know what they want? They want this. That dude is hardcore. That's what a six-year-old wants. They want, they want a, a, a big wheel. 
right? And they can ride around uh, on the sidewalk with their friends. That's great when you're six. But as we grow up, okay, we want to understand the full power of 221 horsepower, right? The beauty, the power, the, the, the amazing acceleration, like what that thing can actually do. And I think mean, there's way too many of us that, that have the ability to ride the Panigale, and yet we don't want to because all of our friends are still on big wheels. And it's not super fun hanging out with friends on their big wheels when you've got a Panigale. Like, it's just not very fun riding a Panigale on, uh, on a sidewalk, okay? The Spirit wants that for us. He wants us to continue to open up those gifts. But that happens as we say, God, I want you. I want you and all of you. No matter what the world says, no matter what my friends say, no matter what the people around me say, no matter what coworkers say, no matter what my boss says, God, I want you. Because the Pentagon is way better, I'm just telling you. When we unwrap it all, God is throwing a party. Jesus themed it transformation. And the Spirit has gifts for us to experience. What gift do you need to open today? Is it simply the gift of the Spirit with you, within you forever? Is it the gift of recognizing that the Spirit wants to help you remember God's Word and continue to teach you? Is it the gift of testifying to what He's done in your life, what He's doing in your life? Maybe it's the gift of standing up against sin. Maybe it's the gift of continuing to commune with you reveal God's will for your life. What gift do you need to open today? Let's pray. God, we love you. And Father, forgive me for the times that, that I, I view you as aloof and harsh. Father, you love us so much that you were willing to send Jesus your own son. Thank you for showing us Jesus so that we can know who you are. And Jesus, thank you for submitting to the Father's will, even though it meant death and pain, separation. You did that so that we didn't have to be separated. Father, thank you for your love for the Son because you raised it back to life. And Spirit, thank you that you're willing to come into me, us. You know how sinful I am. You know the areas that I still need to grow. And yet you indwell. Spirit, thank you for the gifts that you give us. Let us, as a church, continue to be molded, transformed into the image of Christ. That we would live in the beauty and power and mystery of the gifts that you give. For your glory and our benefit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.